0: And now, broadcasting live on Star Worldwide Networks, it's time for Your Road to Personal Addiction Recovery with Dr. William Nelson. If you suffer from addiction to opiate pain relievers, heroin, alcohol, or other substances, we're here to give you hope and help you overcome your addiction. Now, here's your host, Dr. Nelson. Approximately 12 years ago, I uh, was kind of I was single, divorced, and not really looking for romance or a life partner. And then I'd say, "Well, I'm, I'm not really meeting the type of people that I'm interested in hanging around with or dating." And so I, I took a bold step and went on Match.com. And for those of you who've been on any of those dating service, and now I think it's swipe right, swipe left, or whatever. I don't know what these things are called. Tinder or hookup.com. Um, I guess match.com is old school because you actually would read a profile before you would decide whether or not you like someone. But um, after many bits and starts, and it would I be hard to estimate, but after about 40 of really kind of dates from hell, I met the love of my life. And so um, the reason I'm telling you this is uh, in life, oftentimes things that seem like they're really awesome, oftentimes they're a little bit too good to be true. And so in this case... Both of us had been married for quite some time, both of us 17 years to someone else. Good people, they're the the other parent of our children, and, um, but just didn't work out for either of us, and so both of us are like, well, you know, I'm just interested in dating and not really wanting to get serious, but when your heart grabs you and Cupid's accurate arrow pierces that, love space in your in your left side of your chest and your heart is like opened, you can't often deny these feelings. And so um, I'm talking about Stephanie, who's my, now my wife. And about two months into it, we discovered on her birthday that her daughter was a heroin addict. And I tell that story um, just for those of you out there that Sometimes it's shocking. Sometimes people know, but they want to deny it. Um, The good news is with our daughter, um, after years and years of struggle and many detox, short-term sobriety, and then the eventual relapse, she is now doing well. Um, We have a seven-year-old grandson who's starting um, second grade, big-time second grader, um, and she has now been sober for 10 years. So, pretty awesome. And um, so, for those of you first-time listeners, you know, like, what in the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> um, my name's Dr. William Nelson, and you're listening to Your Road to Personal Addiction Recovery. And I'm here with Robin. Um, it's been a while since I've been in, Robin. It's so nice to see you. and so it's nice, nice to, to be in see the, you as well. Be in the studio.
1: And Stephanie came in as well, yeah. which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah. And so... Uh, I could tell a couple stories. Um, Should I tell the goofy stories about the Match.com?
1: Well, if you're going to go there, I get to tell my bad story because Match.com is where I met the last one that I divorced, and I've been free of a narcissist now for seven years. So (laughs) online dating doesn't always work for everybody, but, you know, I'm not going to... Say, no, don't do it because my son and his wife met on uh, plenty of fish. So, I mean, just do your homework. Be careful yeah. and do your homework. Make sure yeah. that uh, you're protecting yourself. And as you said, you had 40 nightmares oh, before yeah. you met the love of your life. So, there yeah. you go.
0: And so, I guess the, the, the moral is persistence. And I think...
1: Or patience.
0: I think it's persistence <laughs> and patience and then actually being able to read situations. So... You know, going back to my previous marriage with the mother of my children, you know, I was not in a position when we met in order to really identify what I was what I was looking for in a spouse. And, you know, she's pretty and she's smart and capable um, and has very great qualities. However, some of the most important qualities that are good for long term success of a relationship is we viewed the world in two very distinct and disparate uh, perspectives. And that being said, I am a seat of the pants. Let's, um, we were just having a discussion, let's bookmark that um, seat of the pants because we have uh, a rooftop camper to discuss. Um, But um, she would be like, well, you know, three weeks from Thursday, we're going to go to this thing. We'll have to get the kids. And we're planning out like that. And I'm like, hey, it's Friday. Let's get the kids, throw them in the car, and let's go up in the, you know, the Mogion Ram and camp. And my ex, if, if uh, or I guess I'm supposed to say the mother of my children is better, more PC than the ex, because that has a negative connotation. So the mother of my children would not necessarily want to go on a camping trip unless they could curl their hair. You know, if there was no electric, you can't curl your hair. How are you going to how are you going to camp with straight hair? I don't know.
1: I don't know go camp during this time of year. There's lots of humidity in Arizona. Your hair will curl anyway.
0: Yeah. So anyway, I'll tell you just <laughs> I think they're humorous and silly, but um one one of the dates, you know, I was working late and, you know, we're supposed to meet at this fancy wine bar. And um, I said, Hey, so sorry, I'm going to be late. You know, I'll probably be 35 minutes late. And so they said, Hey, would it would be okay if I order an appetizer and have a drink. Sure thing. So I get there. She, she's already down two appetizers and two drinks before I got there.
1: That's not good.
0: And then we had a brief. And kind of shallow conversation and then it's coming to its conclusion and um, she said, Hey, I don't really want to split the bill, but you know, I don't have any money. And so I okay, I'll do it. And then the drinks, the the glass of wine were seventeen bucks a piece. Ouch. So before I got there she was into it thirty four plus two appetizers, sixty bucks before I walked in the door. And then we got another drink and another appetizer, and so it's probably a hundred and something. And before I got into my car to head home, um, sorry to tell you, but absolutely no chemistry.
1: Well, of course, because you downed two glasses of alcohol before you even arrived. So how are you even giving yourself a chance to know if there's any chemistry?
0: And I, and I said, you know, based on the fact that before I got there, you downed 60 bucks worth of stuff. You didn't, you planned on not wanting to participate equally in the cost of the thing. I said, absolutely no chemistry for more than what you expect or what you've perceived. And feel free um, to send me the balance for, you know, our short-lived soiree.
1: Good luck with that.
0: Yeah. So anyway, that was, that was, and I got to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm going to meet people Um, getting Starbucks, because then I'm only up, you know, four or five bucks. That was way better.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm curious about something, because we know the show is about addiction and recovery. And I've heard many horror stories that people going through their journey, you're told not to be involved in relationships, I think, for like a year when you're going through your recovery. But I see a lot of people being drawn to each other in addiction recovery, and they think that it's okay to, you know, lie to their groups and they get involved. And then you have two people who are fighting the addiction. And then it, it's almost like a double negative because how are you supposed to get healthy if you're with another person that's always fighting the addiction? Am I incorrect in saying that?
0: Yes and no. And... um what i have discovered in the last you know i figure out how many years you know 8 10 12 years doing work with addiction and addiction recovery is that i can never make a blanket statement that covers everybody's particular situation and you know i think in general your position your your thought that yeah if if you're struggling with your addiction or your addictive behavior or your process and you're drawn to another person in a similar situation, unless you're right in lockstep where you both are equally committed and equally along the path that sometimes is circuitous, if you're, if you're both in alignment in your, in your thought process and your motivation, and in, in the chances of that happening is very, very slight to you know, almost nil. But if, if perchance that were to happen, it, it wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing I, in, in my experience because you do share, you benefit from other people going through similar situation. That's the whole idea behind group. Right. But you're not sleeping with, the, hopefully you're not sleeping with people in group because that would detract from your ability to be honest about all that's going on in, in your process and I've had many way more women than men I don't think I've had any men complain about this but I've had so many women tell us like I just don't get do the 12-step or AA or any of these processes because so often it's so hard to be there because you open up your heart and you're you're wanting to be honest and you make yourself vulnerable and then some Person comes up and you want to trust them and you need to trust them if you're going to benefit from this, the therapeutic aspects of being in a group. And so you open your heart and now you're accepting kind gestures when the kind gesture is the prelude to wanting to get, you know, have sex, be sleeping with you guys in your group. And so guys are notorious. Some of them may or may not even be in recovery. They're just knowing, "Hey, this will be easy oh. to pick up someone at the recovery 12 step." It's it probably is the new single bar.
1: That's scary though when you think about it because even online dating today is the new way of doing stuff. You don't meet people in the normal way anymore. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, your your friends were always introducing to you people at restaurants, bars, churches, whatever, going out. But today it's so scary because you never really know what's out there. So the fact that yeah. you and Stephanie found each other And even dealing with the issues that you have with Lauren in the past and where you guys are now, it's a true testament to being able to find something because it is not an easy world to find people. I've, you know, I myself have put myself out there, but I've decided that online dating will never happen again because there's a lot of mistrust. There's a lot of fake and phoniness out there and people want to do the exchange of text messages or video calls or what have you, but they don't want to get together face to face and actually be able to feel the energy vibe between two people. And, you know, in your case, that, that lady taking advantage of you that way. Yeah. That's the, that kind of puts dating on a, on a back burner for a lot of people because it's difficult. It's yeah. really difficult. Yeah.
0: And, um, I was talking to another, uh, another friend of mine, Uh, relative, and he just says, my God, COVID has just put a damper on any kind of dating prospects or going out and finding someone to date. He goes, "It's if it weren't hard enough before, now it's even way more difficult.
1: Yeah, how do you see somebody's facial expressions behind a mask when you're talking to them? You really can't get a feel for their energy.
0: Yeah, mask or... You know, oh, I have COVID. You have COVID. You know, we're so scared of, you know, of that illness that we're still talking about. Um, and I've I've gone on rants about it numerous times. And I would just say, as a doctor, I, I'm seeing way fewer people for COVID. Still seeing a few, and these these subsequent variants, ever since Delta which was about last year at this time so we've made great progress um, it is more contagious and less virulent or more contagious but less uh, pathological the the problems in the of this version of covid is just you know mostly some headaches and aches and pains fevers but it's not going into the lungs it's not causing people to go in the hospital go on a respirator and it's not well, my observation is it's not causing the same level of strokes and uh, emboli and uh, heart attacks, so in that crazy? that's good that that's is good.
1: good because we need to get back to some sense oh, of normalcy
0: right we do we do, but now we have the monkey pox,
1: yeah, but you know if you really take a look at what they're saying that that only affects particular people in certain relationships and it's kind of like, you know what guys? Stop fearing stuff. Take take your vitamins, get some sunshine, protect yourself, you know, eat right, drink water cuz we live in the desert, drink a lot of water. But, you know, just take care of yourself. I I'm one of those people who escaped getting COVID. If wow. I if I had it, maybe it might have been a very tiny variant of it. But I'm so incredibly healthy because of the way that, you know, I eat terribly. I, I will say that. I don't, you know, eat. I'm not a vegetarian. I like my meat. Mm-hmm. But I'm very good about taking vitamins and minerals and yeah. drinking a lot of water. And I, you know, I was hugging people all through COVID. I was
0: going to say that. And yeah. um, I think for a while, were we wearing masks in here or no? I can't remember.
1: Um, I will not wear a mask yeah. and when people get behind the microphone you With need the mask. you have to take the mask off mm-hmm. because i can't yeah you know and that's how it's going to sound and if you want your show to sound good you got to mm-hmm. take the mask off and i had you know there were a few people who wanted us to wear masks and when there's certain groups that come in we have to like doctors mm-hmm. we have to kind of abide by that because of the field they're in but for the most part, no, I, you know, I'm over here, they were over there, we're good to go.
0: Well, and the interesting thing is, is you know, uh, as we were going through that and we're all figuring out collectively, it's like, what is this all about? And, and the mis- amount of misinformation regarding this. But I remember I walked in, I go, Robin, do we still hug each other? You're like, damn right. And you give me this big old bear hug. And, and the fact that you were doing that, you were exposing yourself not, to a lot of people. no, you.
1: you well, nobody spit on me, and well, I didn't spit I know, on them. I know, but you're getting so.
0: in their six-foot space. You're giving yeah, them a but hug. We're not I'm wearing okay. masks.
1: But see, the, the place that I come from is um, COVID. When you look at where everyone was at we forgot what humanity was. We forgot that we needed human touch. We forgot that we needed to see people. I mean, the last group of kids have grown up in the generation of being on the internet, grown up with texting. So they've already, uh, they've already been trained into not being able to communicate face to face with people. And, Mm And you take all these generations in the past, like you and I and everybody before us, they're sitting in their house. They can't go anywhere. They can't talk to people. And it's, it's damning that we had a lot of overdoses because of that. Oh, yeah. we, we've yeah, had yeah. a lot of suicides because mm-hmm. of that. And I'm not going to add to the problem. If you, if you want a hug, I will give you one. I don't care. Um, everybody that hugged me turned their face sideways just like I did. We did not spit on each other. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what they said. As long as your nasal or your, your mouth stuff doesn't hit anybody, you're okay. And I'm not, you know, I'm not afraid. I've always looked at it this way. I'm a very spiritual person. You know me. And if God wants me now, then it's my journey to go. And I'm still here. I'm not yeah. going to deprive myself of human contact and human relatability. And I'm surely not going to change who I am to be different for other people coming in here. Because when a lot of people come in here in the studio, they like the fact that I'm personable. Yeah. Because they there's a lot of negativity in this world. And we've talked about it on the show before. There's a lot of people that are feeling things there's a lot of heavy heavy stuff out there and i don't want to be that person that adds to it
0: yeah well i just just to come to a conclusion on that is i love the fact that you i love the fact that you were willing to still hug and still you didn't that didn't change about you but Mm-mm. even more so if you did that and you did get covid and you're like oh, okay well they got covid Nobody but the did. fact that you did you did not change in relation to, to getting in that six foot no touch zone or whatever and giving hugs and doing all that and you still didn't get COVID. That's I think that's awesome because uh, anyway, so we could let's let's talk about something else. I think I think COVID in general um, it's on its way out. But just in reference to this whole monkey pox thing, I was talking to my kid the other day and they're in New York City. They were. They were in Colombia for about six months, Columbia, South America. And um, so we, they were just mentioning this, uh, yeah, uh, about monkeypox. And I said, okay, I have a question for you. How much do you know about monkeypox? Like, what are the facts that you know about monkeypox? Oh, I don't really know anything. And I like, right. But how many times have you heard that from social media, some reference, a friend or how many times in the last month? Oh, probably about 30. So the interesting thing is that's the new thing that we're going to be afraid of.
1: Or distracted by.
0: Or distracted by. And they're talking about now people need to get vaccinated by this thing. And so so the statistics that I've heard recently, I haven't fact checked. This is, it was from NPR, which albeit usually is pretty accurate, but they have a political bent or or, so what have you. But if you're really that interested, go out and verify. But I think these numbers are going to be somewhat accurate. There were 4,000 cases in the United States. And this uh, monkeypox is extremely contagious, but it's transmitted skin to skin. Mm -hmm. So like if someone has big monkeypox, don't give them a hug, you know, or put on some protective clothing. Like, and we're all going to be in an uproar and so concerned. And it's going to be the new, people are saying, is this going to be the new COVID? Like, man, it and and it's kind of like, it's, it's tantalizing for people to listen to the newest, latest pandemic. And that's about ratings and getting clicks mm-hmm. and clickbait. But nobody's giving any kind of accurate information. Oh, I know who they were interviewing. They were interviewing the, uh, the head of the uh, communicable disease in the Center for Disease Control. So that, you know, that's governmental, and they may also have a, an agenda, but you could probably trust their statistics because they were so low. So if you're out there and you're worried about monkeypox, just don't. It, you know what it is? It's almost like leprosy.
1: Yeah. You know, only, back
0: in the yeah. back in the Bible time, biblical time, you know, and they put lepers in a leper colony. So hopefully we won't have to do that with the monkeypox uh, uh, colony, but... Anyway,
1: that's just crazy. Yeah.
0: And, and back to COVID and how it affected addiction, addiction recovery in our practice, we saw a huge increase in people that were previously in office workers going, getting dressed, driving their requisite 30 to 60 minutes, getting into their big corporate office or a smaller office and interacting with people doing their daily work and, during COVID, they all shut down, went back home and telecommuted. That isolated so many people because their, their work and their commitment to work and the amount of time they spent getting ready, driving to work, being at work and coming home. they That was their social outlet. And with being telecommuting, they didn't really have that. And then they're a little afraid to go out. You, you gotta wear a mask, all that. So. One of the challenges we've talked about uh, consistently with addiction is feeling disconnected or isolated. And so that added to the problem and so many more people um, that were casual drinkers identified that they had a more severe drinking problem because they could start drinking at two and o'clock in the afternoon where previously they wouldn't start until seven when they got home. And so they're drinking at two, 2.30, while in their afternoon status meeting because i don't know maybe they put it in a coffee cup Mm -hmm. but um so we had many many more people that reached out to us for alcohol addiction and then i don't know if it necessarily changed the number of people with opiate addiction but it did definitely changed the number of overdose deaths increased significantly and then there was also a pretty significant challenge in the treatment centers because they would get shut down if someone came in with COVID. And so anyway, hopefully we're passed through and past that and through the hysteria and the fear. And now um, I like also, in addition to you didn't change your willingness to reach out and hug someone, but the fact that we as a culture, it became illegal for a doctor. I, I, I was not allowed to go put on my website that that vitamin C is good for your immune system.
1: You gotta be kidding me! I was
0: not allowed to say that if you could lose weight and quit smoking and improve your overall health, that that's the best treatment for COVID. People that did that got shut down by the uh, the FTC. They shut down and along with the FDA, if they talked about vitamin D is good for your immune system, they shut those websites down. So it. it It's kind of like a totalitarian and fascist control over information that previously was allowed to be disseminated. And for we've known about vitamin C and vitamin D for 50, 80, 100 years, and suddenly it became illegal to say that it was beneficial because it wasn't a vaccine and it wasn't remdesivir, which were the two treatments of choice until just recently, the new one. So we, we live in a crazy time, a crazy experience I'm hoping that through this we can all learn something and the things that I've learned is that even if I vehemently disagree with someone I still absolutely hold true that they have the ability to have that point of view and I'm not going to vilify them for right, it right probably with a lot not probably going to get into a big conversation or debate cuz the 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 art of debate and being able to be fact based and open minded and if you and I disagree on something, um I'm there if you're in a conversation with me, I'm gonna listen because I might learn something from someone that disagrees with me.
1: Exactly, I'm the same way. Yeah. And and you know, my whole thing during that time was ten thousand vitamin D. Yeah. A thousand vitamin C, zinc. And apple cider vinegar.
0: Yeah, apple cider vinegar. Those
1: four things every day is what keeps me. I'm not saying this was just COVID. This is my natural routine. And for the last 30 years, I have always carried hand sanitizer in my car. Because every time you go grocery shopping, you're touching who was there. So you clean that off. And the other thing is your gas pumps. This is how I've maintained not getting sick for over 34 (laughs) years. Because my job... I yeah. can't just call in sick. It doesn't yeah. work that way when you're working as a broadcaster. You got to show up and do your gig. Yeah. And so, I also
0: know that you spray that stuff on the on the Sennheiser uh, air screens.
1: Yes. Or what I, do you call it? A, on the a on wind the wind saw, Yeah. Wind I saw. I did that every day. I cleaned the tables. I uh-huh. made sure nobody else was going to get sick walking in or out of here because I would get a phone call a couple days later. I got COVID. We're we're not coming in next week.
0: Well, that was me. I had, yeah. I did it twice. Yeah. And I'm I'm pretty healthy in, in in my experience. I got COVID, I got through it, and I didn't have any sequelae, but I had one of my friends, we were arguing about it, and after a while, my best friend, um, from, I've known him since I was three, and he and I were arguing about it because I'm saying, I'm not getting a vaccine, and he's like, yeah, and he's like, blah, 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 and I'm like, well, we know now that it doesn't work. It's, it, if if a vaccine, if the purpose of a vaccine is to prevent the transmission or me con- contacting, contracting the illness, we've now shown that it it didn't do what they said. Um, and he goes, yeah, but people that get the vaccine, they're not going to get as sick. And I'm like, well, but why would you mandate that then? You know, because now you're just protecting you from yourself. He goes, mm-hmm. and then his argument is like, yeah, but you're a doctor and you know how to take care a lot of people don't and so it anyway it was it was and we 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 got to the point where we could he 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 came, brought some points i'm like okay i i can accept that but i said listen i love you and i don't want to make this a thing um so let's talk about something that we can really you know wrap our arms around and, and find common ground rather than because i i said i don't think that any amount of information from me, fact-based or not, is going to convince you that that vaccines are irrelevant, as far as from my perspective. And you're I will listen to you, but I know enough and have read enough to know that that the vaccine wasn't for me. And and God love people that want to get their vaccine. Good, go ahead, but don't don't think that just because. You got one that everybody needs to have one or Mm-mm. make it mandatory. people losing their job i was I was at a conference a while ago and talked with nurses that treated the people in the hospital. They were on the covid ward, and they watched people come in and they watched people got sick and they they experienced and and um supplied nursing you know uh interaction as a nurse and some of their patients died mm-hmm. many of them got wild covid some of them came in in after a bad reaction to a vaccine and so these nurses decided collectively like oh i'm not going to get this one and some people i'm not going to get it either and interesting talking with these people is after they treated all these people and subjected themselves to the risk of covid knowing the potential dangers they did their job and for two years we were doing that and then it got to the point where the vaccine was mandatory and they had already had covid and they lost their job because they refused to get a vaccine like that's a problem
1: i think so too because you know we're we don't live in a country where we're forced to do something that's why our military fights for our freedom and you know i'm grateful that i work for a place that doesn't have that restriction because I've always believed, you know, that I don't want to put something into my body that, that I may, may not know what's in there. And if no one can tell me what's there, well, you know, because I'm, I can already be a high risk person for organ failure, only having one kidney. I'm not going to take that chance to disrupt my natural body process. Okay. And, you know, I, I just don't understand why they would force something and, and my mother was bullied into it. She was yeah. 81. She was bullied into it by her best friend. She got sick with both yeah. shots. Really sick after, you know, because they, they spent, she goes, I'm not getting that booster.
0: Did she recover? Did she got, we're still struggling a little?
1: Um, she still has a little bit of issues. Yeah. Um, she's like hacking a lot. And, mm. you know, it was just because her friend said, well, you have to, she never leaves the house. Did you, um,
0: I have a, I have a friend of mine, a nurse um, who told me. He's, uh, he's a couple doors down where I live, and he told me he saw on 60 Minutes, and I haven't seen this, and I went on YouTube to try to find it, and I went on 60 Minutes and tried to find it. And have you heard, supposedly, it was uh, Anthony Fauci's second-in-command, his deputy, went on 60 Minutes and said, we knew the vaccine didn't prevent transmission. We knew that it wasn't effective, but we promoted it anyway, and— and um and he, he told me about it, and I, I'm going to have to ask him because have you heard that or did you see that?
1: I didn't see the actual interview, but I've heard through friends that that was something that was out there, that they already knew, yeah. and um, you as, a know, fe- as
0: a female, um, and uh, and anyway, he, and I went out and for and here's what I think may have occurred. Like YouTube is really pro vaccine, and they were taking positions where anybody that had any statement, even if it was backed by facts, verifiable facts, they would take it off the internet because it created what they quoted a uh, quote, vaccine hesitancy. So if you had anything out there that was somehow they determined that it could cause vaccine hesitancy. Whether it was factual or not, they would just remove it. So I don't know if that includes now 60 Minutes is no longer credible. And, you know, people, sometimes people do have problems with 60 Minutes because it's an editorial and they have an agenda and they're in the entertainment business. But usually their stuff is pretty well-researched and fact-based. At least it has been when I've seen it for years and years. We always, Dan Rather and some of these guys that were doing this, it was it wasn't like i don't even want to give it credibility but any of these other the
1: talking heads the talking heads mm-hmm. and the people
0: that are making medical statements without ever seeing a patient or even reading a medical book or you know and anyway the uh so um
1: it's just taking your own health into your own hands and doing your own research and if you're if you're not comfortable with the information that you find then that's how you base your decision and and my decision was solely based on I asked a handful of doctors what's in this because I do have particular allergies, I do have particular things I want to be careful with and nobody could give me the information <laughs> and without that kind of information I wasn't going to take the risk Good. because you know I have I am the caregiver to an 82-year-old and I also have you know, for all intents and purposes, I'm I'm running a network with a group of people and I have to be here. Yeah. I cannot just take that chance. You know, if I'm outside in the street, I'm not going to step in front of a bus because I know what's going to happen. Yeah. So I can't do that with my life, knowing that I have people that depend on me. And, you know, I'm I'm not willing to give up my life just yet. You got to tell me what's going on before I put things in my body.
0: Yeah. So if if we can, if I can reign this conversation in what I would like to, to kind of make commentary and then maybe hear your response. I think what, what we've, what has occurred and it's, it's a whole culmination of things with multifactorial cause and effect. But in general, I think we've be kind of become addicted to fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've, we, we, um, as a culture, now I'm fearful of, in this situation, either I'm fearful of vaccine or fearful of people that aren't vaccinated, but it also has caused a schism or a dichotomy or a real separation of our culture. So this fear has allowed us to accentuate our differences whether it be political, financial, racial, you know, religious belief, our sexual orientation, or so many of these other things, that they are an aspect of what it means to be human. But the key things that we all have in common, that's being disregarded or discounted, even though that's the most important part of our culture and who we are as humans. And if if we are going to make the transition into a more peaceful, healthy, and wonderful place for all of us to coexist, that's the kind of shit that's gonna need to happen, and I don't know. I'm, I'm a little hopeful because the more people I share that comment with, people, yeah, I'm tired of all this bullshit, mm-hmm. and everybody fighting each other and hating each other. So what do you have to say in that? What's your observation?
1: You know, you and I both grew up, because we're pretty close to the same age, we grew up in an era where it was okay to agree to disagree because that led to discussions. And today, it's not okay to disagree with someone else. They want to impose how they feel upon you. And I've always come from the place like, I will not get into discussions on certain subject matters because I know what I'm hearing and feeling from the other person. So instead of going into the negatives... I just try to remain positive and I think I see spots of it everywhere I see some people getting tired of it I see some people taking it to extremes and yet I still see some people living in fear and and they're not making their own decisions they're allowing other people you know the fear-mongering they're allowing these other people to push them in certain directions and you are your own person what you do in your life is up to you and you shouldn't if you're doing stuff that's hurting other people that's one thing. You you shouldn't do that because we're supposed to be kind to each other. That's why we're here is to live, love, learn and teach. And I just have a really hard time when I see people being so negative and I just do my best to filter that out of my life because how are we supposed to be a human being and be kind to one another? And not let all that negativity affect us, I mean we, we can agree to disagree that's the beautiful thing. We're, we don't live in a country where um, if we say something wrong, we get our head chopped off We're in America. We can practice free speech, we can say what we want, but we shouldn't be blatantly out there hurting people by what comes out of our mouth're it doesn't matter what color we are, what race, creed, whatever you know sexuality we're just. People, we're all human beings. We all bleed the same. We all go to the bathroom the same. We all lay down at night and sleep the same. I mean, it's—I I can never grasp the fact why people think it's okay for everyone to disagree and fight. It's like I want to have a conversation. Yeah. I, I don't want everyone to sit across from me and agree on everything. Because, again, you said it earlier. What do we learn when we're sitting across the table from people that agree with us? I want to know what you—what you are about. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I think uh, that there's so many good points in that. And it, it's the sort of thing where I think, you know, we, 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 may, we may have problems where we kind of have uh, selective memory and rose-colored glasses because there are so many times in our history that there were heated debates and vitriol and, you know really really contentious situations you know that well an example is I can't even remember which president but uh, Aaron Burr and uh, what's his name gotten a duel Oh, the duels, he, yeah yeah so hell yes they were doing that back then so it, it's probably always been a, a challenge to to have a disagreement about something that you care about so strongly and if we can all just understand is like, it's not necessarily my responsibility to change your perspective. And if I'm unable to do so, why is it so important that I'm going to resort to, you know, denigrating you or putting you down or God forbid saying, well, you should just leave the country or you should put in jail or what have you. And so it would it would be a lot more interesting place if we more people were willing to have these sometimes very uncomfortable conversations because it's uncomfortable when it hits you in a in your heart space where you're like oh shit that's an important topic for me personally because of my past history and so if you disagree with my position even though you haven't experienced what i've experienced You're disrespecting me and my experience. And I think that maybe that happens with military. I've never been in the military. And so for me to get in a conversation with a veteran and they start talking about their experience, I'm not gonna discount it. And I'm not gonna say, well, that was a shitty war and we shouldn't even have been there. And that totally discounted their experience. Now, if they come out and tell me that, I'm gonna listen. And I'm not gonna argue the other way. No, no, that's a great war so i think so much of it is allowing people to express themselves especially if they've been there and done that and give it some sort of credence instead of thinking that i i you know saw a soundbite on a 30 second television ad for this particular candidate or a government sponsored you know, public uh, broadcast uh, information and making my entire perspective in my position based on such limited knowledge that if if the conversation goes past a soundbite, I'm not really going to be basing anything on facts. It's all just my rhetoric. So we, we, in regard to that, I've had so many really cool uh, conversations with people in the last year or two, and I've sometimes been putting myself into those, potentially uncomfortable conversations and then i do my best just i get into it and i'm like okay i'm definitely not going to convince that person of anything and i'm definitely not even going to expect they're going to listen to anything that i've said because they're they're closed minded but i'm going to listen to what they're saying and it may there may be some pieces of truth to that that i haven't heard because we're we're getting our information from different sources And I will literally go, oh, shit, that's how I before I'm like, how in the hell could a person believe that or take that position? And hearing their their discussion, like, oh, that's if I if that's my extent of my information regarding this topic, I could see how you could take that position.
1: Yeah. And you don't discount what they feel or what they're saying and you have enough respect. And I think that's. That's the biggest thing is we forgot what respect was. and There you go. And we should just, I mean, I have this saying, I've got one mouth and two ears. So that means shut up and listen. And if we actually just sat down and allowed someone to talk, you may or may not agree with what comes out of their mouth. But they do have the right to say whatever they feel. And whether it's along your belief system or not, it doesn't matter because you have your way of thinking, they have theirs. We can all agree to disagree, but to have those conversations, to me, are very powerful because then you you learn and you hear things. And, and you know, I have a media background. I don't even like tagging that on to me because today it's not journalism. I, I was a broadcast journalist. I went to school, got my education, and did it the Walter Cronkite way. But, you know, I there's no way I'd work in news because news is fake. Yeah. It's not real. They are They are putting things out there to keep, that fear going and if you educate yourself enough and you look there are places where you can find out the information you just have to be willing to go there and if you're surfing on the internet you can find pretty much anything from both sides of the spectrum but you have to do your due diligence and just say okay well this just doesn't sound right and well maybe this is true and then look into it but again you know I have friends that have worked on the dark web for years. And some of them were responsible for bringing Harvey Weinstein down. There, Good. There's things out there that we do <laughs> not know what's going on, and you know they're they still uh, go into that sex crimes thing again. Jelaine Maxwell, she's guilty. She's in prison. But where's the list? Why are we not seeing that? I'm,
0: I'm sorry. I don't. Is that Epstein's?
1: That is Epstein's girl that, girl. that hooked oh, him up with all the the girls and. and okay. the I don't even know what.
0: You know, I'm kind of proud of myself that I don't even know that name because I don't want to I don't want to dump that shit in into, into my brain. consciousness yeah. and there there's probably a a positive aspect of that but also I need to be aware so at least I kind of guessed what but I haven't followed it and I'm not really interested in following it but I'm glad that the people that have the stomach for it and are sticking up for the people and making sure that taking action so that isn't repeated and we learn from our mistakes mm-hmm. and how in the hell did Harvey Weinstein 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 whatever he doesn't deserve my being able to pronounce his freaking name it's but very f- easy but how the, the, it happened the, the fact that that guy was able to perpetrate that bullshit for as long as he did in the position of power and the the amount of power money influence that he wielded and was able to use that and not be brought forward that's really 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 fucked up
1: well now there's a lot that's going on with that kind of stuff and like I said I've had my finger on the pulse of the sex trafficking industry for a number of years and seeing it from the dark web side and what those agents and people have done in the background underlying that the media hasn't really talked about and there is a lot of stuff that we are not aware of that we're kept in the dark about
0: now here is the fascinating thing about the media the media loves controversy, and they love scandals, and they love to, you know, to create these negative storylines because it gets clicks, and it's it for whatever reason you can tell a feel good story about wonderful you know kumbaya and flowers and roses and some you know wonderful things, that doesn't get people to watch as much as this negative shit. So why is it that the the news media has not um, more aggressively pursued these storylines regarding sex traffic? Is it because the people running the networks were involved or what's, what's happened?
1: Well, there is some people like um, The Big Guy, they just had a movie not too long ago. Uh, the Big Guy, I believe at Fox was involved in that. Can't, I can't remember I, well, his name. Well,
0: um, something Ayers. Yeah. is yeah. it Roger Ayers Roger or Ayers, yeah.
1: But, um, you know, this, this is stuff that's run rampant in the industry for many years. And um, a lot of the victims have been women. And there's, it's difficult, and I can speak from experience, it's difficult when you're a female in certain industries, any industry, regardless of what it is, to play the political game. And it, you're silenced you're threatened. And until more people come forward, there's strength in numbers. That's why the Me Too movement was so successful and brought Weinstein and many others to their knees because of the fact that when you have strength in numbers, if it's just you, you become re-victimized over and over as a person who's a victim. And it's difficult to Want to engage in prosecution when it's just you against everybody else and they make you out to be the bad guy. And when there's strength in numbers, it changes the game plan. And with media, they do focus on some of this, but not enough of it. And you have to go back to the old thing of if it bleeds, it leads. And, you know, your local news used to really be on top of everything. But now they're in so much competition with your cable news. People are shutting the news off completely and doing streaming services. They're not paying attention. So they're trying to sensationalize things that you think would be attractive to people. And it all goes back to the mid-90s with the Bronco Chase. And that was on every single channel. That was our first real major dose of reality tv and if you if you notice right after that happened court tv began 24 7 uh trials and everything going on we were half of these criminals in in this united states we wouldn't even know exist if it weren't for the 24 7 cycle and all the cable stations and then you have every reality show that's out there focusing on it's half fake and half real. And our
0: disfu- we're focusing on this dysfunction. It seems to yes. be more interesting. Yeah. So if you can highlight the dysfunction then it then a person that is not quite as dysfunctional, it makes them feel a little bit better. I don't know. I think vicariously so. we look at that. Maybe. Yeah.
1: Maybe or we just like to I mean it's like driving by an auto accident on the freeway. Yeah. You get slow traffic because you're you're curious to see what's going on. You want to know yeah. and you see this wreckage and it's like, wow, this is crazy. I'm glad that's not me. But then you tune into something like the Kardashians and thank God I've never seen a show, yeah. but you know, people live through that. They have to, they run to the TV and they watch it or they watch mm-hmm. it on a replay. And I mean, yep. things that we see are completely different today.
0: You know, um, so, so there's, therein lies so many of the challenges and, you know, bringing this back to addiction. It's like addiction is hard. I I haven't, knock on wood, I somehow have a personality that identified early on the potential for me creating an addiction that would be negatively impacting the rest of my life. I was a binge drinker in college, but just about every single person I hung around with were also binge drinkers. and And it's interesting, the ones that weren't binge drinkers it was almost they were the weirdos when I was in college. And then soon after, like, you know, it's not cool to, you know, go out and get drunk and somehow find your way home and then figure out how you're going to make it to work. And so I learned early on. And now, you know, with my work schedule and my age and my ability to process alcohol, I'll have one IPA or maybe two. And my most dangerous thing is that I'll fall asleep in front of the couch. You know, that's so – and – um. So, I was lucky in that regard, but for those out there that are struggling, um, you know we we you and I prior to the the podcast starting, you were asking, so what else is going on and so, I made you walk to the window and um, I looked at that made you look at and admire my newest acquisition, and that is Steffi and I that I spoke of my life partner, my beautiful wife, after years of attempting to talk her into getting this thing, we finally got this. And so basically I bought a, a hard shell uh, tent that sits on top of my Subaru. And so right now it's 100 and whatever degrees in Phoenix. And within two hours, we're up on the Mogollon Rim. We're up Christopher Creek. We we were up in uh, Flagstaff just south of like Fort Tuthill on National Forest. I got to a place where I didn't see our closest camper. They were uh, half a mile away, but we kind of knew they were there. And so the point being is we've, she and I have figured out what are the things that really make us happy? How do we recharge? And for us, it's being out in nature, going for hikes, spending time together. And so high, high recommendation. It may not be going out and camping and doing like we are. We're, we're no water. And we did have to buy a toilet so we don't have to dig a hole in the ground. And that's been a welcome addition to our experience. But finding something that makes your heart sing and gets you to be able to connect. For me, it's nature. I'm not sure what it is for you. Same thing. Great recommendation for anybody out there. Um, And I know we're coming up um, to the end of the show. So I want to thank you for the conversation. As always, didn't really know where it's going to go. But um, interesting and wonderful conversation with my good friend, Um, And so it's nice to see you again. And for those of you out there, um, thanks for joining us on another edition of Your Road to Personal Addiction Recovery. My name is Dr. William Nelson and Robin Cote was the other wonderful person that had that incredible exchange. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Your Road to Personal Addiction Recovery with Dr. William Nelson. Listen live each week at this time or anytime 24-7 on demand at StarWorldWideNetworks.com.